In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. Have you ever noticed that sometimes food just tastes better than at other times? I'm thinking especially after a a long day at the beach in the sun, uh, you're sunburned and tired. It seems like no matter what is put on the grill, it just tastes better than usual. Or other times when there's a work project or something. I, I think of last year about this time when a handful of us were cleaning out the gymnasium on the third floor of the other building. And we, we worked all day and we were dead tired and someone got sandwiches from a nearby deli. They were perfect. <laughs> Any other day they just would have been sandwiches. But that day they were almost sacramental. In such times, after a long work day, after a trip, um, for a reward, um, the food tastes better, I think, for several reasons. Uh, I can think of three in particular. Uh, One, the food tastes better because we're tired. (laughs) It tastes better because we're hungry. And it tastes better because we're in need. We're needy. It's those same three conditions, being tired, being hungry, being needy, that, that draw us to another table, to the table symbolized by this altar and all altars, to another meal, to a meal in which uh, the superlative has less to do with taste than it does with substance. Because at this meal, we receive life. We gain the life of Christ, new now and eternally. And so we come tired to Holy Communion. That's as it should be. Tired from what the great prayer sometimes calls those things we have done and those things we have left undone. That long list of shoulds can sometimes make us weary beyond belief. And then other times we approach the altar with having had a good week, having done our best. We've thought of other people, we've shared, we've offered help. And so we approach tired but needing just a little renewal to push on. Other times we've fallen down during the week. We need that prayer of confession, of of readjustment, when things have not gone well, when we've misspoken or misstepped, or maybe even stepped on others. And so we're, again, we're tired in different ways. We're beaten down, and so we almost limp through the liturgy to reach the table, and we come tired. But we're welcome, tired. I'm tired of all sorts of things this week. Especially I'm tired of the news. The political news, of course, it does its its damage. But I'm sick and tired, probably like many of you, of the horrible news of abuse in the Roman Catholic Church, of continued reliance upon a system that seems to encourage power and greed and silence. In my being tired, I can be tempted to champion the Episcopal Church, Catholic in worship and theology, but reformed in leadership, 
We champion transparency and shared power and we publicly air our dirty laundry so that all the other churches can point and criticize while we do the hard work of working it out in faith in full view. And yet we can't afford being smug or being relieved that it's not our church this time. We, all of us, suffer. Victims still need healing and deserve it. And then those already skeptical of historical faith can simply point to this latest news as further good reason why a Sunday morning for them should be involved with yoga and a walk in the park and brunch with friends. And so I get tired of doing all we can to try to say to a cynical, over-informed, but under-read world, our church is different. We're different. Come and see. And so I bring my wariness to the table, to the altar. We bring our hunger. Like the scripture, we often travail and are heavy laden. And so we look for refreshment. Maybe we've eaten too much of the junk food of the world. And so we're looking for real food, for nourishment, for things that taste like what they are, rather than the chemicals and preservatives that make us imagine some hunger for friendship, for healing, for love, for work, for purpose. We bring all that we hunger to the table. As our own former member who died last year, Judith Jones, knew so well, food writing has increased over the last 20 or 30 years. And in it has come into our vocabulary a funny little word from Japanese, the word umami. Maybe you know that word. Umami tries to describe a sort of fifth taste. A taste beyond what is sweet or sour or bitter or salty. It's, it's something else. It's a, a pleasant, savory kind of taste. It's brothy or, or meaty or mouth-watering. There's actually an entity called the Umami Information Center. And that center reports that umami is subtle and blends well with other tastes to expand and round out flavors. And so most people don't recognize umami when they encounter it, but it plays an important role making food taste delicious. I think the bread of heaven has a kind of spiritual umami to it. It fulfills hunger. It offers its own taste and it satisfies, but it, all in, it also encourages and enhances all the other flavors. It encourages us to want more, more of what's good, more of what's good for us, more of what's good for the world. This brings us to that third condition that makes some food taste better than others. And that has to do with our neediness. If we're honest then we bring our needs to the table. We acknowledge that we need some force, some power, some thing, some person beyond ourselves. It can be tempting to come pretending to be full, full of ourselves, full of our opinions, full of our anger, full of our resentments about God or other people or the church, full of thinking, full of emotion. We can be full of so many things. 
Sometimes we come to the altar full of expectations. But Christ feeds us most. Christ feeds us best when we can approach the altar empty-handed, honest with our need, making that our prayer, I need. How we fill in the blank almost doesn't matter as much as our saying or, or praying our neediness. Of course, culture frowns on any sort of neediness. But here at church, here in worship, here at this holy table, we have a special place to bring all our needs, all of it, whether petty or seemingly insignificant or overwhelming and larger than life itself. The gospel today tells us about a meal, and the first two readings work almost as invitations to that meal. In the first reading from Proverbs, wisdom is pictured as Lady Wisdom. Lady Wisdom who runs through the streets of the world asking if anyone will pay attention, if anyone will pause. It's a homey kitchen table kind of wisdom that she invites us towards, that God invites us towards. Through Proverbs, God, through Lady Wisdom, basically says, Come home, dinner's ready. Turn in here, she says. Lay aside all the baggage you've got. Leave all that outside and come in. Sit down, eat, and enjoy. The reading from Ephesians continues with the added advice of how to come to the feast, what to bring, how to act. Don't be foolish, Paul says. Paul, or the writer to the Ephesians. Uh, Don't drink too much. Make the most of the time you've got. In other words, leave regrets and expectations behind. Don't run away from the moment, but live. Live fully. Live awake. Live in the now. One of my favorite newer hymns in our hymnal that we don't sing so much, partly because it's hard to sing, and I know there would be a lot of groaning, but the words to it are so beautiful. And the tune is kind of nice as well. But the the words go, uh, Now the silence, now the peace, now the empty hands uplifted, now the kneeling, now the plea, now the Father's arms in welcome, now the hearing, now the power, now the vessel brimmed for pouring, now the body, now the blood, now the joyful celebration, now the wedding, now the songs, now the heart forgiven leaping, Now the Spirit's visitation, now the Son's epiphany, now the Father's blessing, now. Jesus says, I am the living bread, not for yesterday, perhaps for tomorrow, but certainly for now. In the days ahead, may the Spirit help us to think about the times and places where food has tasted better than usual. After a long day of work or an exhausting project or maybe just when you're eating the thing you love most. But also may the Spirit prompt us to imagine just for a moment or two what the feast beyond all feasts might look like, might smell like, might taste like. That feast that awaits all of us after a well-lived life. Imagine the table. Imagine the tastes. The company. Who's there? The eternal goodness of it all. When we finally meet God face to face with the totality of our life. Of tiredness. Of hungering for good. Of of needing God. 
And then God greeting us with a smile, saying, Life forever begins now. Bon appetit. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.